Would you like to see the behind the scenes footage of the Pivot Me interviews? We have launched April Garcia Pivot Me on YouTube. Take 10 seconds now and go to YouTube and enter April Garcia Pivot Me or enter it directly at youtube.com backslash April Garcia Pivot Me. You can see all the guest interview with Jay Abraham, Sharon Lecter, Cameron Harold, John Lee Dumas. We are releasing new videos every Tuesday. Go ahead and stream with us. Hop on and join us. And please support us by giving that thumbs up and subscribing. It really does matter. And you are going to love these videos. Thanks for joining Pivot Me on YouTube. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real, simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Many of you already know my guest today. Many of you have his books on your shelf. If you're working with my consulting firm, his book, Miracle Morning, was probably a reading assignment for you. But did you know he has survived several near-death experiences as well? That he was hit at 80 miles an hour head-on by a drunk driver. He was told he was never going to walk again. And then years later, the guy was diagnosed with a rare cancer and given only a 30% chance of surviving. Yes, my guest today is the one and only Hal Elrod, best-selling author of 12 books, most notably The Miracle Morning, which has been translated into 37 languages, sold over 2 million copies, and his latest project is the brand new Miracle Morning movie, a documentary that shows millions of people transforming their lives simply by changing how they start their day. And today we're going to talk about The Miracle Morning, The Saver's Routine, super simple, I'm a big fan and do it myself every morning. But we're actually going to go way deeper than that. Hal actually died for six minutes in that car crash. He was pronounced dead at the scene. How did he make it back and overcome the many challenges that lay ahead after something like that? And then actually, when I when I asked Hal how he had the ability to sort of reframe the car accident he was in, he cited the five-minute rule, which we learned about. And um, you're definitely going to want to write that down. That was awesome. I have not heard it framed the way that he did. But then on the spot, he actually recalls an old memory, something, well, I, I, I never expected and connects that perhaps some of his resilience, some of his ability to reframe tragic experiences as a stepping stone came from something far deeper within. You are going to love Hal Elrod. Welcome to Pivot Me, Hal. Thanks for joining us today. April, it is good to see you and thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So before we came on, Hal and I were going through our list of, of common friends, which was awesome. We both agreed that Antarctica was too cold, but there were some warmer islands that we definitely agreed to go to. Hal, we've we've just read your bio. The listeners of Pivot Me know your name. Hopefully they've read some of your books, if not all of them. 
But I would love for us to talk about how you got into this work. Like, so you have a pretty diverse background, but how you got into this type of work. Yeah, that's a fun question to start. So when I was 19 years old, I was pursuing my dream as a radio disc jockey. I was DJing on 97.1 FM and I was new, the new guy. So it was like the grunt shift midnight to 6 a.m. And a couple of weeks into that, that per- career pursuit, a buddy of mine convinced me to go interview for a direct sales position for Cutco Cutlery. And, uh, you know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not a salesman. Like I don't, you know, but he was persistent and he convinced me I should do it. So I, I gave it a shot. I interviewed, I got the position. Um, and, uh, which, you know, I think most, most people that gave it a shot got the position, but I decided on my second day of training that I wanted to break the all time company record on your second day. Second day. Yeah. So in training on the second day, we learned about, okay, there's this thing called the fast start. Your first 10 days, there's all sorts of incentives and and sales levels and and prizes. And the the idea is like, how can we make this new group of salespeople give them so much excitement and incentive and rewards that they get off to a great start, build some confidence, get some wins under the belt, right? So it's a great, great strategy. Mm -hmm. And we learned the highest level was, okay, now this is the record. This is the most anyone's ever sold. And there was something inside me that went, because my whole life before that, I'd been really average. Like I had never, I wasn't a good student. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't popular. Like I was a really kind of mediocre troublemaker kid in detention all the time. And something inside me went, if another human being could do this, and I think this is one of the most important beliefs for all of us to adopt. If another human being could could sell this much Cutco kitchen knives, yeah, why not me? Like th- that, that seems like that just proves it's possible. And so I went up to my manager after training. I said, hey, I want to break the all-time company record. And I thought he was going to like jump for joy and be so excited. And he really, he looked at me and tilted his head and goes, Hal, okay, I, I, I hear that every week from somebody. I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, I hear that every week. Do you know how many people since I've been a manager have done that? And I went, uh, no. You know, and he goes, zero. He said, so if you're serious, I will help you, but you're going to have to work harder these next 10 days than you've ever worked in your life or anything. And again, not being a really hardworking kid, I'm going, oh, shit. Um, uh, (laughs) Maybe. uh, But at that point, like, it was too late. So I said, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, no, I'll do anything you tell me to, right? So fast forward 10 days later, I ended up breaking on the final day, like the, the 11th hour broke the all-time company record. And, and, and really that was overcoming a lifetime of, of limiting belief that I'm not special, I'm average. Mm-hmm. I went, wow, anything really is possible when you put your mind to it, like the most generic adage you know, of all time, right? Sure, um, sure. And so, so that, that's the start of it. I started speaking at all of the conferences because I broke the record. They go, you're on stage at the, at the weekly team meeting and mm-hmm. we're gonna put you on stage at the division meeting. And now you're gonna talk at the national conference. So I'm 19 years old, speaking on stage in front of you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And then a year and a half later, I was in a car accident driving home from a speech at, at one of the Cutco conferences. I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour. I was clinically dead for six minutes on the side of the freeway when they tried to get me out of the car. I broke 11 bones. I was in a coma. And six days later, I came out of the coma to be told I would never walk again. Now, that's a, that's a, that's a whole other story of how that happened. But I, I had the mindset, I'm committed to walking again, no matter what the doctors tell me. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, I took my first step. Uh, I left the hospital four weeks after that, again, with 11 broken bones, permanent brain damage. But during the time in the hospital, 
that was when I asked, why did this happen to me? And not from a victim mindset of like, I'm a, why did this happen? I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. But like everything happens for a reason. But what's the reason I'm going to choose? And I think for all of us, when you experience adversity, you know, again, it's another old generic adage. Everything happens for a reason. But most of us are searching like we're, we're, we're looking for someone to tell us the reason. And I believe that it's our responsibility to decide the most empowering, proactive reasons for the most difficult times in our life. And I told my dad, I said, dad, ever since I've been speaking at these Cutco conferences, you know, I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker, but I had a, nothing to talk about. I had a normal life. You and mom were good to me. I said, now I would have never asked for this, but maybe that's why this happened. Maybe I'm supposed to overcome this adversity and then go help other people to overcome theirs. And so when I left the hospital, like Four weeks later, I gave a speech at my, my high school, my alma mater that I graduated from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of that, and I started writing my first book, Taking Life Head On, about the head-on car accident and the lessons that I learned. So that is what gave birth, kind of the combination of Cutco grooming me to communicate and to speak, mm-hmm. and then this horrible adversity and the two meeting for you know a new purpose in my life, if you will. So to take a reframing of this this. The horrible tragedy, you know, drunk driver, 80 miles an hour, head on. You reframed it not the way the average, what, 19-year-old would do. Like, is that the is that the way that you thought at the time? Or is that a conscious decision that you're like, I'm going to reframe this positively? Or was yeah. that how you just were previously? So a couple things. One of them I wasn't conscious of, but when I look back, I think this must have been buried in my subconscious and 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 contributed to the, the, the mindset that I had. Mm-hmm. When I was nine years old, I woke up to my mother screaming across the hall. I ran across the hall and my 18 month old baby sister, Amory was dead in her arms. And my mom was giving her mouth to mouth, trying to revive her. And uh, Amory died that morning. And my mom, you know, obviously I, as a parent, nothing, I, I can't even imagine how tragic that is. And Within, within six months, my mom was leading a support group for other parents who had lost small children. And then she was leading a fundraiser, an annual fundraiser that our whole family sold newspapers to support the hospital that tried to save my sister's life. So mm-hmm. consciously, I didn't remember, I didn't think of that in the hospital, but, I, but again, I, just, I saw my mom take her adversity and turn it into an advantage, you know, take a tragedy, turn it into a triumph, so to speak, just, just take this horrible thing and think, how can I help other people with this experience? So I think it must've been in there somewhere, but the really conscious decision I made where I overcame the, the mental and emotional challenges, the car accident, literally within the first couple of days, I wasn't scared. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. In fact, the doctors thought I was in denial. They told my parents one day about, about two weeks after the car accident, a week after I came out of the coma, they, they called my parents and they said, we're concerned. We think Hal is either in denial or he's delusional. They said, because every time we interact with him, he's always smiling and laughing and joking and, and making us laugh. And they said, that's not normal for a 20-year-old young man who's been told he's never going to walk again. So my dad came in that night to find out how I was, quote unquote, really feeling. Like, obviously, I was putting on a facade. Like, mm-hmm. how was I really feeling? And so he, he got real serious with me and he, he, he shared the doctor's concerns and he asked me the question mm-hmm. and he said, Hal, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be angry with the drunk driver for, for doing this to you. He said, mm-hmm. I feel all of those things and it didn't even happen directly to me. I can only imagine what you're really going through. Let's talk about that. 
Mm-hmm. And I really, my dad was like, you know, tearing up and I really went inside and I really asked myself, am I sad? Am I scared? Am I angry? And I just shook my head and I looked at my dad. I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. And he said, what do you mean? I said, remember, I live my life by the five minute rule that I learned in my Cutco sales training, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, and he said, remind me what the five minute rule is. The five minute rule says it's okay to be negative when something goes wrong, but not for more than five minutes. Mm. And I learned this from my mentor, my manager, who who, who trained me in, in selling Cutco. And he taught us this. He said, hey, when you're in sales, it's a microcosm for life. You experience mm-hmm. adversity, but a much faster rate. Like sure. most people, they don't fail every week, right? Like they don't, they, don't, they don't face rejection every single day. You know, they don't have like the level of disappointment. So sure. you don't want to deny your feelings. It's okay to feel frustrated, angry, sad, whatever those emotions you feel. But he said, the problem is most people dwell on them to a, to a point of it being unhealthy. Sure. And he taught us the five minute rule. And to this day, by the way, April, I live by this rule. He would he taught us when, when something goes wrong and you find yourself upset, angry, whatever it is, set your timer for five minutes on your phone and give yourself five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, feel sorry for yourself, whatever. And when the timer goes off, he taught us three very powerful words. You simply say, can't change it. Can't change it. You acknowledge I can't change what happened five minutes ago. So there's no value in wishing it didn't happen, in wanting reality to be different than it is, in feeling sorry for myself, in perpetuating these emotions of anger and frustration and resentment and disappointment and whatever. He said, after those those five minutes, can't change it. And you accept it. And when you accept it, he said, you give yourself that gift of, of inner peace. It doesn't mean you're happy about it but you're no longer resisting reality. And so I said, dad, it's been two weeks since the car accident. My five minutes is is up. I said, I'm not pretending to be happy. I've just decided that I can't change that I was in a car accident. I can't change that I broke 11 bones. I can't change that I have permanent brain damage. And if the doctors are right and I never walk again, then I can't change that. I said, but what I can choose is how I experience every moment of my life. And I, dad, I've already, I've imagined the worst case scenario. If I never walk again, I've already decided I will be the happiest and the most grateful person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. And, and of course, and then I, and I do believe on a, on a related note that a week later when the doctors came in with routine x-rays and they said, Hal, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly. We're going to let you take your first step today in therapy. It went from never walk again to three weeks later, the doctors are showing these x-rays that they can't explain. So again, I don't have, I, I can't show you a correlation. I just can tell you that story, but I do believe, you know, and I've done a lot of, of reading on epigenetics and just different aspects of how the mind can heal the body. But yeah, but that, that was it. That's where the mindset came from. It's accepting the things I can't change, using that five minute rule, those three words can't change it and accepting what is out of my control and only focusing all of my energy on that which is in my control. And I, I, I apply it to what's going on in the world today, what goes on in my life every day, and, and give you that gift of freedom of, from emotional pain. That is amazing to have that. There's so many things I wanna, first I just need to ask, are, are you a fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Absolutely. Um, to have that perspective at such a young age is so, is so remarkable because most of us don't even achieve that at double those years. 
I love that a mentor came in and taught you this five minute rule and that you applied it. And that, that, that teacher came in right before this accident happened. I mean, you got this important lesson that helped you reframe what was going on. And I'm sure there's lots of lessons you had from your parents and your family and, and things that you would just kind of come to conclusions that also helped, but that this one thing that a teacher taught you merely months before is what was pivotal in you reframing this whole experience. Yeah, you know, I love that you say that because it, it. I've obviously thought a lot about that night and the whole, the whole thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big, big moment in my life, and that was one thing I realized is the irony that if I hadn't began selling Cutco, I would not have been giving the speech at that conference that night and then been mm -hmm. hit by that drunk driver. And if I hadn't begun selling Cutco, I would not have developed the mindset that would have enabled me to overcome and handle that with grace and then turn it into teaching, you know, like teaching other people. So mm -hmm. it's just the interesting thing that like I was, I, it happened because of Cutco and I was able to handle it because of, of my experience with Cutco as well. That's amazing. Actually, you saying Cutco reminded me that I'm supposed to give you a hello from Front Row Dads, which apparently has a lot of Cutco people in it. So yeah. Oh, did you have John Droman on the podcast? No, um, we were just talking about it a couple of weeks ago. And then um, my brand strategist, uh, Jay Twining, is in Front Row Dads as well. So oh, nice. Um, yeah, I hadn't had him on the podcast, but he's like, tell, tell him Front Row Dad said hi. So um, everyone great. who wanted to come in and say hi. I love I love this correlation. This is amazing. And I love that you said, hey, I wanted to be a motivational speaker, but really I hadn't had to overcome a lot of adversity. And this gave me one hell of an opportunity um, to inspire other people with our message. Because when we have sort of this normalcy in our lives, it, you can find inspiration, but it's a little bit harder. But sure. overcoming something like what you did is just powerful. Did you know when it happened that it would become like critical to the work that you were going to do going forward? Uh, no, because my plan at that point was to be a Cutco division manager. That was, I loved the company. I loved the people. And that was my plan. Um, so this was a real a pivot. And even when I thought about like, hmm, maybe this is happening so I can share it with others. You know, it, it was very much an inkling, just just an idea. Um, but but I did, you know, really early on, I, I just, I decided, you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason, but it's our responsibility to choose the reasons early on. I think maybe still in the hospital, I decided I'm going to make this the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. And that's our choice. And I, I really, I want to highlight for a second, think about that. Most of us have been conditioned that good things happen and I'm, I feel good. You know, I give myself permission to feel good when good things happen, when bad things happen, I feel bad. Well, and to me, it was, well, hey, how about no matter what happens, I feel however the hell I want to feel, Yeah, right? Yeah. I choose. You maintain the control then, the yeah, power. Exactly, right? Rather than your, man your emotions managing you, right? You're managing your emotions and realizing that no matter what happens to me, I can choose to be the happiest, most at peace, most grateful, most motivated, most inspired I've ever been, no matter what happens to me. Yeah, and listen, Pivoters, as you're listening to that, really think about, the power in how statement, like talk about taking back your power, having, we talk about the show, having an internal locus of control. Yeah. This is powerful when you're not being managed by outside triggers. Things are going to happen. Things have happened in the last two or three years. There's been, you know, a pandemic and an interesting political climate and a lot of things that are going on that are not to be ignored, they're to be addressed or, or handled and how they need to be handled. 
But to not let that influence your happiness, to not let those things rob you of your joy in the moment, because how how many of us are directly impacted by those things? And we don't show up the same in our marriages. We don't show up the same with our kids or in our business. We let all that stress influence us. There is such power in you being able to say, I've just decided. I mean, you know, if a pivoter is listening right now going, well, yeah, I would like to do that. How do we do that? Like, how do you make that decision? I'm going to be happy regardless of what happens on the outside world. There's a couple things. One is the five minute rule. I mean, that that, that really is step one. Step one is because here's the thing. If you don't have the ability to accept life as it is, then the way life is, is going to cause you to feel certain ways, right? Sure. When life is feels out of control, you're going to feel out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lead to anxiety and stress and depression and all of these things. Mm-hmm. So step one is really making a conscious decision that, wow, okay, I'm going to, first you have to understand every painful emotion. Here's a little bit more depth on that lesson. Sure. Every painful emotion that we have ever experienced in our lives that we're experiencing now or that we could experience in the future, consider that it is self-created. Mm-hmm. It's self-created by our resistance to our reality. But no one teaches us that in school. It should be like day one lesson. We we believe when something when we're feeling a certain way, you know, a painful emotion, we almost always point our finger somewhere, right? We have something to blame for the way that we feel. Of course, I'm upset. Did you hear what she said to me? Right? Or of course, I'm I'm sad. I, I mean, look at what I lost. Right? Of course, I'm angry. You know, I, I look at what's going on in the world. We always are pointing at something for the way that we feel. But the reality is the same exact tragedy could befall two different people. Both people might get cancer or both people could go bankrupt or both people could have their spouses leave them. Person A resists that reality, says, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. This isn't fair. I don't deserve this. My life is ruined. Person B that had the exact same event. And wow, this is probably the hardest thing I'm ever gonna deal with, but you know what? I know there's a lesson in it. I know I can learn and I can grow and I can become a better version of myself. So I'm going to take this challenge head on. I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna be better on the other side. Person A feels defeated. Person B feels empowered, but it was the exact same outer circumstance, the exact same tragedy our reality is how we interpret it. And so the first thing is deciding and doing it in writing. I used to wear a wristband that said, can't change it. It had three words, can't change it. Um, And I would wear it because I'd be in traffic, for example. You know, you don't have to have like a horrific car accident or or something horrible happen for this to, to use this. This is an everyday thing where when you're in traffic, just think about how usually if you're running late somewhere and you're 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 hoping that there's no traffic, but then you hit bumper to bumper traffic, you know, what do you, how do you spend the 30 minutes in the car? You're you're stressed out, you're tense, you're frustrated, you're 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 riding the bumper of the person in front of you, right? You're resisting the reality that no, there's traffic and you're going to be late. And I would, I, would, I would do the same thing. Then I'd see that wristband on my arm that said, can't change it. I'd go, oh yeah, wait a minute. This applies to everything. I can't change that there's cars going slow in front of me. I can't change that I'm going to be late. I can't change that there's a consequence, but I can choose to enjoy every moment I'm in this car. And I believe that's a, a real metaphor for life. I can't change lots of things. I can't change other people. I can't change the past, but I can choose to enjoy every moment in this life. The YouTube relaunch is here. 
now. Never seen before footage of our actual interviews. You're going to watch the video of me sitting down with Jay Abraham and ask him, what the hell are us entrepreneurs doing wrong? We've got footage of me talking to Cameron Harold and him telling the story of the rave he went to in his 40s. Footage of when John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire told us that we aren't perfectionists. We're cowards. We have it all captured and we are pumped to share it with you today. Go to YouTube and put in April Garcia Pivot Me and join in. See me thank Sharon Lecter in real time for writing the Rich Dad Poor Dad series because the series of books helped guide me when I was 20 into becoming a real estate investor. And listen in when I asked several of our high performing guests the very tough question of, hey, how do you personally self-sabotage. We made this for you. So join in at YouTube and subscribe so you will see when new videos are released. It'll be every Tuesday. You'll actually get notified. So take 10 seconds and do it now. Grab your phone. If you're on a desktop, do it there. Go to YouTube and enter April Garcia Pivot Me or enter the URL directly at youtube.com backslash April Garcia Pivot Me. And please support us by giving us that thumbs up and subscribing. We recently became partners with YouTube and that really matters. You're going to love these videos. How do you balance that tension between accepting the things you can't change, but then also taking ownership and action over the things you can change? Yeah, I think it's a pretty simple distinction. It's an important distinction, but I think that I don't think it's complicated, right? It's just you literally go, is this something I can change? And for example, and, and by the way, the answer might not always be black and white, right? It might be like, I think I can, but I'm not sure. And then you go, well, do I want to give it a shot? Yeah. So for example, I was told I would never walk again by doctors. So I could have said, that's it. That's what I'm thinking. You could have just said, I can't change it. I'm going to have to get busy accepting it. But but so what I decided is I'm committed to give it everything I have to walk again mm -hmm. while I simultaneously accept that it may never happen. Okay. Right. So think about that. Most people don't want to be set up for disappointment. Most of us. Right. So you go, I don't want to give it everything I have because I might fail. In fact, that's what keeps most people from going after anything. So right. Any true. goals or dreams is yeah. what if I fail? What if I give it all I have? And and then I I don't reach my goal. Um, I, I can give an example. I just I was talking with a major publisher about uh, the Miracle Morning. Uh, my my main book is self-published. It has been for, you know, since it came out almost 10 years ago. And my agent said, hey, there's a, you know, one of the biggest publishers in the world. They want to take the rights on for the Miracle Morning. And uh, I think it could work. You know, it could be a, they, they could be the right partner. So we've been meeting and I've been meditating on it and I've been praying on it. And like, I just, I was expecting it. I'm like, dude, this, it feels, this feels right. Intuitively in my soul, it feels right. And it was going to be a great financial win. It was going to be a great win in terms of getting the Miracle Morning mission out to, you know, many millions more people. And then my agent called yesterday. I go, oh, this is it. She's calling. She said, hey, Hal, um, the offer came in. It's nowhere near where it needs to be. It wouldn't make sense for you to take it. You know, sorry. And so I instantly, that was yesterday afternoon. And there was a little, you know, there was a moment. There was the five minutes five or minutes. maybe five <laughs> hours of like a little bit of disappointment. Sure. But, but immediately I took control. I woke up this morning and I wrote down, here's all the reasons that me not getting that deal to work out might be for the best. Right. Mm. And I wrote them all down. And then I just sat there and meditated in gratitude. Wow. I'm so grateful that that deal didn't work out. Now, I can't predict the future. Sure. Maybe not getting the deal is the worst thing that could have ever happened. Right. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But maybe getting it was the worst thing. I would have regretted it forever. You know, I don't know. But so the point is, 
it, it kind of comes down to expect the best, right? And accept the rest. Mm. You know, and for me, I, I have my, my most recent book, The Miracle Equation, is unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort is how you create real tangible miracles. And so that's it is I had unwavering faith that I would walk again, but I always accept whatever life gives to me without wishing it were different. So, so you can, it's almost like you can have your cake and eat it too, right? Like mm -hmm. I can go for every goal I have with unwavering faith and extraordinary effort, knowing that some of those goals I'm going to reach and maybe even more I'm not, sure. right? But if you think about, this is a, 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 a kind of a side lesson that I'll throw in. The real purpose of a goal isn't really to reach the goal. This is actually a Jim Rohn lesson, I think. Yep. Yep. The purpose of a goal is it's to become the type of person to develop the mindset and the, the skills and the qualities and the habits that will enable you to reach more and more goals, bigger and bigger goals in the future. So don't get hung up on whether or not you reach the goal. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's let's really focus on that. I, I love this. And I'm a huge Jim Rohn fan as well. Um, really hear that pivoters. Like so for someone who's listening right now, we think that the goal is the goal. But if we reframe it, that the that that it's really about the person we become in the pursuit, then we never truly fail at the goal. We may not get the publishing deal with the, the price tag that we wanted to. We may not do the, I don't know, four hour marathon, but it's who we became in pursuit of the goal. That means you never actually fail. I mean, you may miss the goal, but the larger version of what you're supposed to be doing always you're always successful at that. And I think we we don't look at it that way. We're like, I missed my goal. Damn it. What, what did I do wrong? And we beat ourselves up. But if we just focus on who we became in the pursuit of the goal, then we're always winning. And the yes, the reason that that is so important as well is because if you if you are living from a, a, a black and white paradigm around goals, a succeed if you reach the goal, a fail if you don't, mm -hmm. you are not going to pursue the goals that would really get you out of your comfort zone and really stretch you that are really difficult, that are really unlikely, mm -hmm. right? Because you're going to only pursue the ones that you think you can actually achieve, right? Exactly. When was the last time someone said, man, I've got this goal. I think there's about no chance I'm going to reach it. <laughs> so I'm motivated to give it everything I have. No, yeah. Yeah. you have to change your paradigm and go, I'm going to just approach every goal in my life. I'm going to give it everything I have, whether or not I reach it. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to become a better version of myself every time I pursue a goal. I'm yeah. going to be, be able to think bigger. I'm going to be able to achieve bigger, right? It's all about who you become because only yeah. the growth lasts forever. If you reach a goal and you make a million dollars, you're probably going to spend it. And, if it. and if it was easy, like if you won the lottery, that's why so many lottery winners end up being bankrupt and broke because they did not develop into the type of person that mm -hmm. could generate that kind of wealth. They just had it handed to them and then they lost it all and they were worse off than they were to begin with. Plus their identity didn't switch. And there's, have you read the study about the people that won the lottery and compared their happiness level to the people that were in, um, in wheelchairs who had no. like a traumatic, it's fascinating. So uh, I'll paraphrase it quickly, but essentially the idea is when people think about their happiness and you ask them on, you know, what would make you really happy? One of the, the top things people will say is winning the lottery, except if you've done the research, you know that that doesn't make people happy. In fact, they often are much more miserable. But so th that's what they say. Now, if you ask someone who's not in a wheelchair, what would be what would really rob you of your happiness? Like what kind of event would really challenge your happiness? And many of them say, well, ending up in a wheelchair, a wheelchair. 
So someone went and studied them and said, all right, three years down the road, let's compare how happy these people were. The people that weren't happy and won the lottery ticket, three years later, they're still not happy. Like there's this peak, but eventually they return to the same level of happiness. And the people that were happy that then were in this traumatic accident, end up in a wheelchair, returned to the same level of happiness three years out. And so the thing that we attach with, this will make me the most happiest doesn't make you the most happiest. And this will make us the saddest actually doesn't. It's really up to us. It's the decisions that we're making and the way we're framing our story. I think that was such a beautiful illustration of, wow. So it really is up to us how happy we are. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that, you know, for me, um, one of my primary goals is to enjoy life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, and that's what my miracle morning helps me do every day is it's like a reset every morning. I read my affirmations and they remind me, you know, your goal is inner freedom, right? Which to me, I define inner freedom as the ability to choose how we experience every moment of our lives. Yeah. Right. Not allowing the moments to determine how we feel, but choosing how we feel in the midst of the moments. So I think that's, it's crucial. I would love us to talk through the Miracle Morning right now. I mentioned before we went before we went on video that in my own consulting practice, Miracle Morning is required reading. I know how important that is for high performance. I know how important that is for intentional living. That morning routines is a is a through line with high performance. Talk to us about this, the importance of a morning routine, and then I'd love us to actually walk through the Savers morning routine. Yeah, uh, thank you. So, just quick backstory. So the Miracle Morning was not a book idea. I think it's important to understand how this came to fruition. So in 2008, when the U.S. economy crashed, I had just started a about a year and a half prior. I'd started a coaching business doing business coaching. And I was I think I was I had grown it from zero to like eighty thousand dollars the first year. So it was and it was growing. It was on its way. So I had just written my first book, Taking Life Head On, as I mentioned. And uh, I bought my first house like life was great. I was engaged to be married like everything was great. And then the economy crashed. And I, you know, I always say there's a fine line between optimism and delusion. And I cross it often because people are going, are you worried about the economy? And I go, I create my own economy. I don't watch the news. I don't pay attention to that. And it's like, oh, when your clients, you know, like are losing their customers, there's a ripple effect. It's a very real thing, right? All the optimism in the world doesn't change that. So in a six month period, I lost over half of my clients, therefore half of my income, Mm -hmm. could not pay the mortgage, ended up having to foreclose my house, Mm -hmm. um, stopped exercising, canceled the gym membership. I tripled my body fat percentage in six months. And I went from being debt free in terms of credit card debt to living on my credit cards. I was at $52,000 in credit card debt from zero to 52,000 in six months. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I was, I was hitting rock bottom and a series of events led me to go for a run. And I heard a Jim Rohn quote that became the catalyst for creating the miracle morning, but for really changing my life. Mm -hmm. And Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I think I had heard that before, but you know how we, we can all relate where you've, you've read something or you've heard something multiple times, but you don't implement it. You don't, you know, right. There's nothing that there's nothing forcing you to do it. And then, but I was desperate and I stopped and I thought about, I contemplated that quote, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I went, okay, on a scale of one to 10, I want level 10 success in every area of my life. I think that if we're all honest with ourselves, if you're measuring success in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, nobody is like, well, I don't want to be too happy or too healthy. Like I'll do, I'll do like, a, I'll settle for a six or a seven. No. Yeah. We're like, yeah, I want, I want level 10. Mm-hmm. I want to be as happy, healthy, wealthy, successful as I possibly can be. That's what I'm working towards. Right. Mm-hmm. 
But then when I ask myself, okay, I, we all want level 10 success, but I ask myself, what's my level of personal development? Like at that time in my life, I was depressed. I was scared. I was feeling hopeless. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't really growing. I was just waking up, grinding in front of the computer and, and on the phone all day until I got exhausted, went to bed. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, my level of personal development is like a two, maybe a three on a good day. Right. And I, in that moment, I realized I need to go figure out what do the world's most successful people do for personal development? What, what are the best personal development practices in the world? Mm -hmm. I need to start doing those every day. I need to commit and create a ritual so that I can become a better version of myself, that, that the level 10 person I need to be to create that level 10 success, right? Mm -hmm. And so I ran home, uh, I Googled best practices, and I ended up with a list of six practices. And I, I got overwhelmed because I was looking for like one or two. I'm like, okay, like what's the one thing I could do every day for my personal development, right? Mm -hmm. And I had this list of six and I almost threw in the towel. I almost go, ah, you know, throw my hands up. I don't know what to do. And then I had an epiphany. I went, wait a minute. What if I made a ritual that did all of these? What if I woke up an hour earlier tomorrow, even though I wasn't a morning person, I thought <laughs> I don't have any time during the day. I've got to squeeze it in before I start my day. Mm -hmm. I thought, what if I woke up tomorrow and I did the six most timeless proven personal development practices in the history of humanity, that the world's most successful people in all fields and walks of life have sworn by for centuries. I thought that would be the ultimate morning ritual. And that afternoon I Googled, so the six practices, if you wanna write these down, they're organized into an acronym to make them memorable and easy to follow. These are the savers. And if you're taking notes, you can write them vertically. Mm -hmm. So S followed by A, V, E, R, S. The first S is for silence. It's your meditation or prayer time. The first A is for affirmations, which we can dive into because it's not the way you've probably been taught affirmations. Mm -hmm. The V is for visualization, which, you know, the world's greatest athletes swear by visualization, right? Why mm -hmm. would we not harness that proven practice to perform at our best every day? The E in savers is for exercise. And not saying you have to go to the gym in the morning, but it's important that you do at least a few minutes, you know, jumping jacks, get the heart rate up, get the blood and oxygen flowing to your brain so you have more mental clarity, more energy throughout the day. The R in Sabres is for reading, right? And that's an obvious one, but we're all one book away from, you know, learning something to change any area of our life. And the final S in Sabres is for scribing. And that is a fancy word for writing or journaling, but, you know, the, the J would have made the acronym awkward at the end. Um, but, uh, right. So scribing, you know, and I write down what I'm grateful for. And then I look at my to-do list and I write down, okay, of, of the 25 things on the to-do list, what are the top three in order of importance that I will commit to getting done today? Right. Real simple scribing practice. The gratitude fills my, fills me up, makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the clarity gives me, make sure I'm productive that day. Sure. And those six practices you know, some of them are easy, but like I had never really meditated before. Mm -hmm. I had never done affirmations. I had never visualized journaling, you know, not, not a whole lot. Yeah. And so I started out that afternoon, I Googled how to meditate. And then I opened up another, I opened up six tabs <laughs> on my browser, how to do affirmations, right? How to do visualization, all these things. And here's the interesting thing, April. And I want to share this, especially anybody who's listening right now, it's mm -hmm. like, do that you're struggling. If you're, if you're listening and you're struggling where that's where I was, right. When I created this, I was at the, one of the lowest points in my life. Oh yeah. I mean, mentally and emotionally, I was way worse off than the car accident. 
I know that mm. sounds weird, but I think the reason is during the car accident, I was surrounded by family and doctors and nurses. I had so much love, so much support, so many visitors. In 2008, everybody had their own problems. Like nobody came to visit me. Nobody was helping me. Like I was on my own and it felt really lonely. Plus the accident was no fault of your own. And I bet in 2008, you probably felt like you had a hand in what happened. Totally, totally. And, and the biggest thing is, the fault, the real guilt, the fault came. Why? It's been six months. What the hell's wrong with me? Mm. Why can't I fix my life? Why can't I turn this around? Yeah. And then what made it even worse is I was a coach. Yeah. I was, you could say I was a success coach. So I was having an identity crisis. I go, I, I, I feel like a phony to even recruit new clients because I'm failing miserably. Who the hell am I to coach somebody on being successful? Right. So it was a, it was, I was a mess. Yeah. And uh, that not every night, the only escape I had ironically was my bed. It was going, crawling under my covers and being able to like, you know, temporarily escape my problems for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And that normally I dreaded waking up that very first night when I had clarity that I was into this morning routine and that the morning routine could be the one thing that changed everything. Mm -hmm. I went to bed that night, like a kid on Christmas Eve. I was like, I can't wait to try this. The next wow. morning I woke up without hesitation, I jumped out of bed with energy. And by the way, I'll tell you a little, little foreshadowing. This is how I wake up every day. Now the miracle morning is every day. I go to bed with the intention that I'm going to get the perfect amount of sleep. I'm going to re-energize. I'm going to wake up with more energy, more clarity, more motivation than I've ever had before. And that's how I, every day, that's my intention. So I woke up, I felt amazing. I went in the living room. I, I, I didn't know how to meditate. I was super, you know, it was, I was not doing it right. Sure. My affirmations felt super cheesy. Mm -hmm. uh, I visualization didn't even, I was like, it, none of it were, it didn't work very well. I, in fact, I joked, it was a mediocre morning. Like it was, it was relative the miracle morning yet, huh? But even doing all of those things in a mediocre way, after one hour of those six practices, I felt inspired. I felt energized. I felt motivated. And maybe most importantly, at that in 2008, when the economy is continuing to crash. And right now we're experiencing, you know, potentially the horizon of similar things. And I can look back and go, even though the economy got worse that day, I went, as long as I continue to do this every single day mm. and I get better and better and better and better and better, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be that can create anything I want for my life, no matter what the economy is doing. And within two months, I had doubled my income, more than doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life to committing to run a 52-mile ultra marathon, which I ended up completing. And my depression didn't take two months to go away. It was diminished on day one because for the first time in six months, I had hope. I had clarity. Ooh. And I went to my wife. I said, sweetheart, I signed two clients today. It's been two months since I started this morning routine. It feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. Wow. I go... I love that. Yeah. And, uh, and I wrote in my schedule, Miracle Morning. I told it to my coaching clients. Almost all of them said, I'm not a morning person, but I'll try it. They all came back a week later, said it worked for me. Mm -hmm. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I went, wait a minute, if this Miracle Morning thing worked for me and I wasn't a morning person, mm -hmm. if it's working for almost all of my coaching clients and most of them were not morning people, this could work for anybody. And that's when I committed, okay, I've got to write a book about it, you know, and, and the rest is kind of history, as they say.
It's amazing because we, so um, I had two mastermind calls earlier before this and they all know about the Miracle Morning. And I told the 531, I said, hey guys, so I'm I'm interviewing uh, Hal Elrod on Pivot Me today. And one of the uh, the ladies that are longtime client, wonderful woman, Erica Woolwine, she said, you know, I need to let you know that I used to not be a morning person and I had it down to the minute of how late I could get up and still get my two kids ready and get yep. to my teaching job every day. And she said, I mean, it was, I had it down to a science. This was a bad science to master, but she had it down <laughs> to a science. And she said, and a friend at work gave me that book. And she said it had completely changed everything. And I wanted to share that. She said, I started, it was just key. You have to get up before your kids. Parents, if you're listening, you yep. have to get up before your kids. And I know that means really early sometimes. But she said, getting up before my kids, and she said, in having me time, she said, I immediately was a more present and patient parent yeah. because I felt like I had invested in me before I was giving to them. Because as you're a parent, you're especially getting them ready for school. It's a whole lot of you serving them. And she said, and then I went to school and I was a better teacher. Mm. And so I thought, I said, how long ago was that? She said, it's been about five years now that I've been wow, doing Wow, that's amazing. And so to think that this book you chose to, to write because you used it yourself, and that's often the best tools is the ones that served us. And we said, who else can it serve? Yeah. But that impacted a school teacher in California, and she still uses it to this day. And she's a better teacher and a better mom because of it. That's amazing. I wonder if she knows we have the Miracle Morning for Teachers. That's the most recent book in the series that came out last year. Erica, go get the book if you don't have it already. <laughs> I hope she does. I hope she does. So, yeah. so I, I I love it. I'm a huge fan. Um, Hal, as I as I look at this, so I'm just thinking about as I mentioned that it's required reading for my clients as well. Um, I get the usual questions. Um, I get, in fact, I may have just gotten from uh, my last mastermind from Kevin. He's like. Uh, I don't know. I'm not ready to give up sleep. And so we talked about like, well, how much sleep are you getting? Do you have good sleep hygiene and things like that? But when I told him, hey, we can compress it. It doesn't need to be an hour. We can compress it. Now, I hate to put you on the spot, but is there one or two that really like, if you're going to only do a couple of them, like, is there one that really gets to do the most bang for your buck? If you're a Kevin out there that's like, I can't commit to all six. Yeah, and there's two answers to that. One is that the time frame is completely scalable, meaning um, mm. there, in fact, there's a chapter, well, most people do a one hour miracle morning. It's like 70% of people, okay. uh, about 25 or 26% do a 30 minute miracle morning, right? So okay. they just do five minutes for each of the savers. Uh, and then there's, but, but some people, and there's a chapter in the book called the six minute miracle morning. And it sounds kind of gimmicky, but it's it's not. I created it out of the days where I would have this all or nothing mentality and go, oh, I've got to leave in 20 minutes. I don't have time for a miracle morning. And uh, that happened a few days in a row. And I went, what if I did a six minute version where I just got really quiet and I practiced a minute of silence, right? Set my timer for 60 seconds, took some deep breaths, felt some, you know, peace, maybe a set of prayer, whatever, whatever your form of silence is. Um, and I did that. And then I pulled out my affirmations and I just 60 seconds read a few affirmations that focused me on who I was committed to being that day to achieve what I wanted to achieve in my life. It didn't take a lot of time to, to get clear on that. Right. Then I visualized myself doing the most important thing for the day in the most, in the ideal emotional state. Right. Then I did 60 seconds of jumping jacks in my exercise. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm awake. Heart rate's going. I pulled out a book. I read a page. Right. I, I, I learned one thing that I could apply. And then I pulled out my journal, wrote down one thing I was grateful for. 
So, I mean, literally the bang for your buck in six minute miracle morning is, is, is amazing. And to answer your question more directly, are there, you know, are there any of the savers that are better? So I get asked a lot. Usually it's, the, they ask me, what do you know? Do you, have, do you have a favorite of the savers? And the politically correct answer would be like, no, they're all equally important. Of course. Right. Um, affirmations are my favorite by far. No question. And here's why. In fact, I'm going to give a, a, a quick, can I give a little training on affirmations? I was real quick? just about to say, you said earlier, what we know about affirmations yeah. is wrong. So, so teach so us. Affirmations, I believe are the most misunderstood form of personal development. And I believe that it, it is the most beneficial, the most effective form of personal development. The reason it's misunderstood is we've been taught one of two ways by self-help gurus over the years to do affirmations. Number one is we're taught essentially to lie to ourselves, right? If you want to be a millionaire, just tell yourself you're a millionaire over and over until you eventually start to believe it, right? And trick your subconscious. Now, now there may be some value in that. But, but I believe that the truth will always prevail. If you're struggling financially and you're affirming, I am a millionaire, right? I am, your subconscious is going to go, no, you're not. Like, who are you kidding? You're, you're broke right now. And you're like, shut up. I'm doing my affirmations, right? <laughs> yeah. So lying to yourself will, is never the optimal strategy. Mm-hmm. The other way that we're taught to do affirmations is to use this flowery, passive language that produces a magical result independent of any effort. I'll share one that you can probably, you've probably heard this one before. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. I know. Now. I could just sit on my couch and it comes to me. Exactly. Right. Now, why do people, why is that stuck? Like, why, why is that not been lost in the shuffle. Like, why do people still do that affirmation? Here's what I believe. Here's my theory. If you're struggling financially and and looking at your bank account causes you pain, causes you fear, but then you go, okay, I'm going to do those affirmations. I'm going to manifest. And then you sit on the couch and you go, oh, I'm a money magnet. You go, "Mm, that feels good. Money's flowing to me effortlessly. Oh, that feels really good, right? Yeah. Oh, and and everything is going to be okay, you know? I think that that's why people like it is that it gives you temporary relief from your money woes, mm-hmm. but it's, it, you're, you're not getting yourself to do the things that'll get, they make you money. You're placating yourself. Exactly. My affirmation, you know, and there's, there's a different ways to do affirmations. In fact, in their simplest forms, I, I, I call an affirmation is just a reminder of something that's important to you, right? So if you affirm every day, I'm committed to feeling grateful today. I'm committed, right? Like just that alone is ah, like just reading that puts you in that state. But but let me get really clear. If you are like me, and if you're listening to this show, I'd imagine you are results oriented. You don't just want, yes, you want to feel good. But if you affirm something about money, you want to actually have it affect your bank account balance in the future, right? You want to see your income improve. So here's my formula for affirmations. Step one, affirm what you're committed to, right? We don't get what we want. We don't get magic. You know, I believe in magic and miracles, sure, but we get what we're committed to. So instead of saying, I'm a millionaire, say, I'm committed to becoming a millionaire. I'm committed to earning a million dollars. I'm committed to spending an hour a day on the thing, right? Like commit whatever you're committed to, that's what you get. And so every day affirm, I'm committed to. And the way that I phrase it is I'm committed to blank. No matter what, there's no other option. It's a gut check. It's, you know, I'm committed to a blank, no matter what, there's no other option. The second step is list all of the reasons why you're committed. 
what are all the compelling reasons that you're committed, right? Because being committed is one thing, but reminding yourself, oh yeah, I'm committed because I want to provide my family with financial security and freedom. I'm committed because I want to contribute to the world on and on and on. And then step three is affirm which specific actions you will take and when, right? You're committed to what? Why are you committed to it? And then, and then the rubber meets the road when you go, so because I'm committed to that result, I'm committed to work out from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right? No matter what. So get really clear. That's an affirmation formula that's rooted in reality, that's actionable, that's practical, and that programs your subconscious mind and directs your conscious behavior to get you where you want to go. I love it. I love this idea. I too struggle with the whole manifestation of like, there was a movie that was made that I liked, <laughs> yep. but there was a whole lot of manifestation happening and a whole lot of sitting on the car and imagining yourself driving a nice new car. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you're missing the component of the action. Like yep. it doesn't just come in. We don't just think good thoughts and they come in. Like you got to get out and work for it. And, and then you get to drive the nice new and car. And I don't know why they could have put that in there. They right? could have. Like, it would have been easy. But maybe people wouldn't have liked it as much. I personally know a lot of people that were in that movie, know, or, or right? not all of them, but some of them. There's right? some great but, people in there, and they've worked. But they, but they've worked their ass off. They're like they didn't just manifest. They, they did everything that I just, you know, gave you in that affirmations formula. It's so true. It's I, I know. Likewise, I'm like you guys missed this one piece. So we talked about affirmations. I love them. I'm a huge fan. I do affirmations every every morning. Huge fan of that. And I and and for me, I have affirmations around certain areas of my life. So I talked about being a parent. Um, I have a parent affirmation. I'm a, I'm a present, joyful, and patient parent. Yeah. Um, and I have to use that a lot. And you can yep. literally see it. My kids can see me do it. I don't say it out loud, but they can see me take this deep breath. <laughs> maybe when one of them is acting up and I'll say it in my mind. And it helps me kind of level set, not just having a knee-jerk reaction to maybe a tantrum or to an attitude or whatever happens, just being a parent. Um, and I'll say it in my mind and it helps me level set. I have a affirmation around fitness about asking is, is something, is this decision going to make me fitter? I have an affirmation around my work. Do you have affirmations based on certain areas of your life and has yours changed through the years? A hundred percent. Just like you, I have parenting affirmations. I have affirmations for my physical health. I have affirmations for my happiness, every area of my life. Yep. Um, and, and the thing is when you affirm them over and over every single morning, then, as you said, when you're in the midst of the day and and it's it's act you know it, it's it's game time, yeah, right? Because you've affirmed it so much, it is it, it's embedded in your subconscious, for sure. And then you're able to call on it as needed. So yeah, I have them for every area of my life. Oh, that's so powerful. I was we were talking earlier this morning about when I was in my 20s, I had an affirmation: my brain is worth millions. And it was just something I wanted to remind myself that it wasn't connected to education. It wasn't necessarily connected to opportunity or network. And maybe you need some of those things. But if it kept coming back to it's about your brain, it's about how you serve people with your brain that doesn't get taken away from you. And it really served me in my 20s. Now, did it carry into my 30s? No, not really. But at the time, it really served me. Yeah. So you've done this amazing thing. It's all, you know, you've obviously been successful in the things that you're doing and you're doing much more than this. What do you do when you get off track? Do you get off track and how do you get yourself back on? I do get off track uh, a lot. Um, in fact, I, I've joked people will, we have a Miracle Morning Community Facebook group that has uh, 330,000 people from around the world that are in it. 
And one of the questions that get asked a lot is, you know, what do you do if, you know, I fell off track a few days and now I'm beating myself up mm -hmm. and I usually will chime in and comment and go, Hey, just FYI, I've missed more miracle mornings than anyone in this group. I promise, you know, right? Like, um, and so there's a couple things. One is being gentle with yourself, not beating yourself up. Right. And I think actually, let, let me rephrase that. It's not about being gentle necessarily, because I think that being intense with yourself is good but not from a place of beating yourself up, guilt and shame, but from a place of, dude, you're better than that. You got this, you're a champion. You are the, you know, right? Like bring the intensity, but from, but, but the way a, co a coach would, you know, would encourage their player. Like you've got, you're better than this. I've seen the best of you. It's in there, let's bring it out today, right? That's the kind of intensity that you wanna bring. Um, and so the gentleness is don't, don't be hard, don't beat yourself up, don't, don't, don't hurt your self-esteem, right? And then the other piece of it is I have a I have a rule or a guideline, I should say, which is never, never let one bad day turn into two. And that's scalable. Never let one bad week turn into two, right? And I also say never let one missed day turn into two. That for me is, you know, it's, it's that whenever, if I've missed a day or a few days or a week, I was whatever, you know, and I'm starting, I, I catch myself being hard on myself, feeling unmotivated, discouraged, beating myself up. And I'll go, whoa, whoa, you got this. Like recommit, let's recommit. And I just, you know, you're responsible. We're all responsible for getting ourselves into the state that we need to be in to do what we need to do to advance our life in the direction. So I get myself in that, in, you know, I use the intensity to get myself recommitted. And often if I can, I'll leverage accountability. Like I'll, I'll go on my Facebook and say, hey everybody, I've been doing this thing for a few weeks or I, I fell off track. I just, I'm putting, I'm, I'm giving you my word. I'm leveraging my integrity. I'm giving you my word on my life. I'm recommitting to start running again tomorrow at 6 a.m. And I will check back in to let you know. Human beings have a tendency. We want to be consistent with what we say. And so putting it out there and making a rock solid commitment, uh, I think is, is really powerful. So that is another thing that I'll do to, to, to get a little extra leverage and use some accountability. I love it. And I love this idea. Never let one bad uh, day turn into two. And you could, I mean, you can really run that out to so many things. Never let one bad decision turn into two bad decisions. I mean, totally. I, and that applies. I, I think I'm going to adopt that. I freaking love that. One thing you said that you were talking about, you know, if I get off track, you know, leveraging accountability and saying it to group and people want to stay integrity with their word. So I found that to be true with others. We're pretty good at holding our word to others, yep. but I found we're not so good at staying integrity with ourselves. Totally. Like, so, so talk to me about that because as I'm thinking about the morning routine, and I'm thinking about some people are going to struggle with this. It's because they feel like this will only serve me. And we're not always good at holding our word to ourselves. If nobody's there going, ah, it's 530, you're supposed to be up and do your morning routine, then we can let it slide. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people use the Miracle Morning community, the Facebook group, for to find an accountability partner. The so that's one thing. Uh, also, the the book. You know, when I wrote the book, I had the voice of self doubt going. How am I going to convince people to overcome their limiting belief of I'm not a morning person? Like that's such that's been deeply rooted probably since they were kids, right? So I mean, we've we've got decades of behavior to reinforce that belief. Yes. But how am I going to overcome it? You know, and that was the biggest fear is like. I know this works, but how am I, what words can I possibly put into a book that's gonna get someone to do it, right? And stick with it. Mm -hmm. um, so the entire book is kind of designed to 
guide someone, hold their hand, shape their mindset while they're reading it. And mm -hmm. then it culminates in a Miracle Morning 30-day challenge. Mm. The previous chapter, the second to the last chapter, teaches people why we normally fail to change behavior, why we have trouble holding ourselves accountable, why we don't stick to, you know, to, to our what we commit to do and how to overcome that. So, so the pre kind of the, the second to the last chapter sets people up for, oh, this is how I can actually be successful in changing a habit such as waking up early. And I felt like I had to give a really effective training, if you will, you know, on what to be aware of that could get us off track. Sure. And then how to follow through before I just said, do the 30 day challenge. Otherwise people would start it and they would fail and then nothing would happen. Yeah. Um, what was your initial question? I forgot. <laughs> Damn, I don't know. This was so good. Um, oh, I was talking about people saying integrity with themselves, that we're good at delivering on what we promise to others, but not always good at delivering yes. on what we promise to ourselves. So, so a couple things. The So there's, yes, that what I just said, which is getting an accountability, you know, person in the group. Sure. The other thing is committing to a 30-day challenge is a form of accountability. Mm, and then if okay. you make that public, right, if yeah. you commit publicly to a 30-day challenge or you get somebody at your, you know, at your work, right? That, hey, I'm reading this book. I'm doing this miracle morning thing. You want to do it together, right? 30 day challenge or start a little group, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you've got, because I believe that if you can do it for 30 days and you can, right? Like, even if you're not a morning person, we, you know, it's funny. One thing I get, I got asked once in an interview, they said, how, what, per, you know, over 3 million people have read the miracle morning now. And they said, what percentage of the people that do the miracle morning were not morning people before. So this was like a radical transformation for them mm -hmm. versus they were already morning people. So they just implemented the sabers. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I should know that. I have no idea. Yeah. And so we surveyed our community, which at the time was probably, you know, a few hundred thousand people. And I was pleasantly kind of surprised. 72% of Miracle Morning practitioners said they had never in their life been a morning person, that they were a night owl Ooh. before they read the book. So if like, if that's a concern for you, welcome to the club kind of thing, right? Yes. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, I think that having that 30 day challenge mm -hmm. gives you a, a target. It gives you accountability. It gives you a goal. And if you need to have an accountability partner, get one. And some people will try it on their own. And they're like, I only got, I got to day 12 and then I missed a day. And then it turned into two, turned into three. And they'll check into the Miracle Morning Facebook group and go, Okay. Does anybody want to be my, my accountability partner? Here's the time zone I'm in, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Hey, benefit if you have someone who's in a time zone ahead of yours, because they can hold you accountable to your early mornings. We had a guy that was in, one guy was in Puerto Rico, the other guy was in California. And the Puerto Rican guy would call the uh, California guy because he's like, I'm three hours ahead. So I'm always awake when you're trying to get, trying to get, um, trying to get up. One thing that I'll add to the whole sabotaging thing. Um, if you're trying to implement savers, and this is true with anything, couple of things. One, know what gets you off track. We can't kid ourselves that nothing will get us off track. As Hal was saying, this is not perfect execution. This is just consistent execution. And not even he does it perfectly. So know the things that will get you off track. So that might be, oh, when I go out with my friend and I have a couple of, you know, glasses of wine, then I have a hard time getting up in the morning and do my savers morning routine. Not to say you never do those things, but be aware that, oh, okay, when I binge watch the latest show, I don't tend to get up and do my thing. And second, so know what gets you off track and then know how to get yourself right back on track. So you mentioned the Facebook group. So it might be, okay, I've not done it two days in a row. That's the time to like raise the red flag and go, I need help. 
know the things that get you back on track for your goals. So maybe it's going in and and connecting with someone on the Facebook group. Maybe it's watching a, a YouTube video that's motivational, but that's with anything in our goals. Don't kid ourselves that we aren't going to get on track. The The goal is just to, to solve the equation on how to get yourself back on track even faster. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. And you, I almost forgot to mention, this is so new. I'm not used to talking about it in interviews, but we launched the Miracle Morning app uh, last month, or actually January. Ooh, and okay. uh, and that, I've seen a lot of the people that are posting in the Facebook group saying, this app has been the thing, because it's designed to give you accountability. It's designed yes. where you track your savers every day, right? You check them off, mm-hmm. you get rewards for the progress that you're making, kind of gamifies it, makes it sure. fun, and, and it kind of helps you hold yourself accountable. So that's actually been a really effective tool that has been years in the making that we finally released in January. So there's a little bonus idea, but I want to say one more thing on this. One of the biggest things I do to self-sabotage, I think that we all do, is it's a lack of belief in ourselves. It's a lack of confidence. It's it's insecurity. It's a lack of self-worth, right? One of those things. And for me, one of the most foundational affirmations is uh, I am just as worthy, deserving, and capable of blank, right? Insert whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in your life. I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of blank as any other person on earth. And I will prove that today with my actions. Oh. That, I was going to ask you what's one of your favorite affirmations. This is gold. Yeah. And that for me, just it's universal for all of us. And I added the whole, and I will prove it today with my actions. That was added later. I yes. said the first piece for a long time. Right. But, but it goes back to like, if I look at my story of when I broke that Cutco record, I am just as worthy, deserving, and capable of breaking the all-time company Cutco record, even though I've never done anything like that in my life. Right. And I will prove that today with my actions, meaning I will get on the phone. I will call 40 prospects. I write, I'm committed. That is such a good affirmation. Oh my gosh. That is, that's gold. That's gold. And you're right. You can plug anything in there. Anything. I mean, we do get caught in the, who am I to do whatever? Who are you not to do that? Why why not you? Why them and not you? Um, and it goes back to even the original conversation we we're having around having control over your responses and having control over your success, because ultimately a lot of these are just decisions that we're making along the way. Who are you not to get after these big goals? Hal, I, I wish we had so much more time. There's so many other questions. I think I think we need to do this again. All right. I do have a couple of final questions. But before I ask that, where is the best place for pivoters to connect with you? Yeah, the, the hub is miraclemorning.com. So if you go to miraclemorning.com, all the books, you know, you can find links to the books, the community is there, the movie, which we didn't talk about that, but there's a Miracle Morning documentary that we made. Very good. Oh, you saw it? Awesome. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I bought, I I didn't have Apple TV and at first I panicked, but then I was like, oh, you can just buy this through YouTube. It was amazing. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes, all those places. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, But yeah, MiracleMorning.com is is the hub. That's it. And there's also, you can go there and get what I call the the Miracle Morning crash course, which is Mm -hmm. like, okay. Uh, I want like immediately I want to I want to start diving into this and it gives you a sneak peek of the book. It gives you a a 60 minute audio training, a 15 minute video training and that, you know, all free. Um, So, yeah, MiracleMorning.com is is the spot. That's perfect. And we're going to drop all those links into the show notes. So two final questions. One is this is a heavy one, but I feel like you've already spent time thinking about this. Hal, what's going to be your legacy? Huh? It's a good question. You know, my mission with the Miracle Morning is to elevate the consciousness of humanity 
one morning at a time. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like just a, a clever tagline, but for me, it's a very real mission. The way that I look at this is every person that does the miracle morning, they're elevating their own consciousness. And, and I define that as we're elevating our awareness of how our thoughts, our words, and our actions impact our lives and the lives of the people around us, right? So we're becoming more aware and more intentional of our thoughts, words, and actions. We're elevating our own consciousness. And, and as millions of people right now are doing that with the miracle morning around the world, and you know, there's still 7 billion people that I've, I'm on a mission to try to reach, sure. um, the consciousness of humanity is being elevated. So I guess, I guess that would be, you know, that, that'd be a fine way to, to be remembered. Amazing, amazing. Last question for you. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? You are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of everything that you want for your life as any other person. And now you've got to just prove it every day, one day at a time through your actions. Thank you so much for today, for your insight, for your inspiration. What a miraculous story. And uh, you've definitely elevated the pivoters today. Awesome. Thank you so much, April. Thank you for all that you do. And thanks for having me. Man, where do we even begin? Okay, I hope you were taking notes. So let's recap on some of the things that he said. So the Safer's Morning Routine was key to him getting out of debt, poor health, feeling depressed. He owned his morning and helped him reframe his entire day. And since then, it has done that for literally millions of others across the globe. Again, that savers routine again was silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, scribe. Ideally, each one of those has done 10 minutes each. But if you are my client, Kevin out of Florida and hates getting up in the morning, yes, you can do each one in as little as one minute. That's a total of six minutes. I know it's not five, Kevin, but you can do it. Speaking of five, he covered the five minute rule. That's the idea of feeling sort of the full breadth of a negative feeling, the fear, disappointment, anger, sadness, whatever that might be, something something terrible happens, you know, feeling it, but for only five minutes, like actually capping that. I'm not just going to stay in this place for hours, for days, months, even years. I'm going to do it for five minutes and then I'm going to get out of it. Again, when you're there, like yell, punch, kicks, ah, whatever you need to do to move through that, but then you got to let it go. If you can't change it, stop resisting it and causing yourself unnecessary pain. He said, accept it to give yourself inner peace. I really liked that. I don't know that I do that. And I'm going to think about that. I definitely know that I don't let my own mistakes go as quick. I stew on them a little bit. Not necessarily mistakes of others. I'm, I'm quick to forgive others. Not always myself. So I'm going to spend a little time thinking about what Hal said to us today. He also said that the meaning given to a situation, good or bad, is given by you. You are the judge and jury. Hal decided to see that car accident in a positive light. It was a decision. The problem is it's easy for us to forget that it is a decision. He also walked through affirmations done right. Number one, list result that you want. I want to run a marathon. I want $5 million in the bank. I want to start a nonprofit. Whatever it is, be clear on the result. Number two, affirm what it is that you're committed to do for that result. Number three, list all the reasons why. Number four, which actions you will take to make it a reality. This is not manifesting. This is manifesting and then putting in the hard work that goes on the back end. I also love when Hal, he said, never let one bad decision turn into two. 
Never let one bad day turn into two. Often we fall off the the diet wagon, whatever it is, and we throw in the towel. Maybe skip our morning routine and be like, well, let's just blow the whole week. So easy to just say, no, 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 this is an isolated incident. It has nothing to do with the chance of success in the future. Lastly, I want to leave you with his closing words. You are just as worthy, deserving, and capable as anyone else. And you can prove it every day with your actions. Words to live by. Thanks for joining us today. Make it a great day. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.